Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Sadie Lincoln is today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast. Sadie is the co-founder and CEO of Bar3, a fitness company focused on teaching people to be balanced in body and empowered from within. In 2008, she and her husband, Chris, decided to sell their house, leave their successful careers to be able to raise their two children together and build a business they believed in. Today, Bar3 has over 160 franchise studios powered by female entrepreneurs, plus an online workout streaming subscriber base in 98 plus countries. Sadie has been featured on Inc.'s Female Founders 100 list on NPR's How I Built This and speaks regularly on the topics of mindful leadership, the power of body wisdom, and the movement to redefine what success in fitness means. She is also a mother, a wife, and an amazing friend. Welcome, Sadie. Hi. Okay. So we are going to start with rapid fire. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Or that third option, which is like, what do they call closet it? Closet introvert. A closet introvert. <laughs> um, if you could have dinner with anyone um, who has passed away, who oh. would it be? That's a tough Prince. one, right? Oh, my God. I love Prince. <laughs> I love Prince. I went to that concert and he was wearing like five-inch stilettos. But he was and like he's the still sexiest. Tiny hottest amazingness yeah yeah i love yeah. that's a great answer um what is your favorite vacation spot my favorite i would have to say bali i was right up on there my list. oh that is gosh on my list. amazing yeah. yeah yeah i need to go maybe i'll go there for my 50th or my like next big anniversary oh, do it it's I'm a great it. place um, what is your dream live concert aside from Prince? <laughs> Have you seen Prince in concert? I haven't. Um, my, my dream private live concert would be with Alicia Keys. And yeah, then we'd I'm hang out her. for the I've rest of the night tickets. together. Do you want to come? I, Shut yes. up. She's coming in August and I already bought tickets. Like I kind of went oh. for it and bought amazing tickets. I think we have the same music taste. Those are two of my top two. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, that doesn't surprise me, Shauna. Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, sweet or savory? Savory. And well, that we are not similar on. I'm a sweet tooth. Um, <laughs> what is a habit that you're trying to break? Coffee. Oh, I read that you gave up coffee and that it improved your I, skin. And I was like, oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to confess that I drink so much coffee. And yeah, I need to remember how to do that again. <laughs> it's so hard. I've done it like twice, but I really miss my coffee. It's one yeah. of my things I'm just like not willing to give up. Yeah. I I gave it up for like a good three years. And then what would you slowly... remember what brought you back in? Vacation and yeah, just being like, oh, vacation. and just it's such a treasure. Like it really in, is. in small doses, it's even better. What do you, you put know? in it? Uh, half and half. 
like yeah, straight up. Best. Like yeah. coffee ice cream. Yeah, I love coffee everything. I know. Yeah. Me too. It's like a drug. I love it. <laughs> it, is. it. It literally is a drug, but it's a good drug. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What is the biggest misconception about you? That I'm fit. <laughs> <laughs> you are fit, honey. I've known you for I'm, how I'm many years like, now? I'm 30, quite 25, lazy. 20 years? I don't even know. We've known each other a long time, and you look the exact long same. Time. You are fit. That Thank is not you. a misconception. I might look fit, but I'm not always fit on the inside. Let's just say it that way. The visceral fat or whatever they call it. The the, the <laughs> I'm not talking about organs. body composition. I'm just not very, I'm, I'm on the lazier side. Like oh. I'm not a super duper exerciser at all. Oh. Like well, really, truly, I'm not. Well, you look good. <laughs> Thank you. If I looked like you, I'd be lazy too. Um, you must be on fire in your business. We're going to talk all about Bar 3, but I don't want to skip ahead because I think your upbringing mm -hmm. is an incredible story. Can you talk about it and sure. share some of your upbringing raised in Eugene, Oregon, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On a commune. Or like, is that what we call it? <laughs> well, we call we that don't. a kibbutz. <laughs> we don't call it a commune because it really wasn't, there's no real label for it because... Well, my mom and her best friends met in the 60s. They had all dropped out. They were part of the counterculture, that generation. And they met, they were very gypsy-like in the early days. They met in California. They ended up in Taos, New Mexico. That's where I was born. And they were all ended up being single moms. And they were living very kind of primitively off the land. We didn't have electricity. Mm -hmm. um, have you read Educated? I love that book. Yeah. But we were not that at all not that extreme. for the record. No, not that extreme. There was no, like, there was no spiritual kind of like guru, you know, and I think a lot of communes did have some kind of spiritual practice around it. My mom and who I consider my aunties were still a family. What drew them together was one, their intellect. They were studying Carl Jung and Jungian psychology. I'm really fascinated with dream work. And they were also very much in touch with nature and living more in the rhythm of the seasons, uh, eating whole foods, you know, healthy things. Wow. Um, they definitely were experimenting with time. psychedelics. Yeah. Um, but they were. Were you like, aware of that when you were little? Well, I was born into it. And so it was my normal. And no, I mean, like experimenting with psychedelics. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, everything was pretty open. But they didn't do it. Once we got older, it was more in the early days that they mm -hmm. did that. Um, like when they were all breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where are you in the birth order of the kids? <laughs> I'm the second from oldest. You're I'm the basically second from the oldest. Old, my older sister. So we're not any, none of us siblings are related. Yeah. But our so moms Sadie's are doing like our air aunties. quotes right now. Like I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I was raised with family friends that we called all of the moms auntie. Or we right. call aunt and cousins. We, I didn't know they weren't real cousins. Well, it's so neat. It's so good to re be raised in, in a village. You know, I think that's what humans need to feel like they belong and they have purpose. And it's how we used to do it. I mean, my mom and I have reflected on how they raised us kids. Wasn't really, um, it's not like they invented it. They remembered it. It's what mm -hmm. we used to do. <laughs> like it's how we as humans kind of came to be. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of how 
we lived back then was very natural. It was very intuitive. Um, and then we all, that was in Taos, New Mexico. Then we all moved to Eugene, Oregon, and we became more normal. And, um, the, my mom and how did you how did you make big life decisions like that with so many players involved with decisions? It was fluid. Lois moved. Um, she's she's the oldest. She just passed away. She's the first of the aunties oh, to sorry. pass away. She's the first person I thought of when you said who would you want to have dinner with, but I was like, no one knows her, so I'll go with Prince. Yeah. Um, but um, she moved to Eugene, and then we all kind of followed. It, it's the greatest love story. I mean, my mom and her best friends love each other and it's need to be near each other. Yeah. I understand um, it. I mean, mm-hmm. you, they're, they're kind of like breathing air, your girlfriends, right? No, it's absolutely true. There is something about the women energy when you go on like a girl's trip or something. I mean, don't you feel like that when you're with your girlfriends, you just laugh. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just so cathartic. Totally. They weren't always laughing. I mean, honestly, it's been work to stay together as a family. And that is one of our core values is working through the dark times, Um, you know, overcoming conflict over, you know, because after like any relationship, you you ebb and flow and um, everybody changes and things happen and there's dynamics and, you know, a real commitment to doing the work and and, you know, being committed to each other has been part of our family for sure. And what does that mean? And when you say family values, is that something that was established in a formal way of like, hey, this is what we stand for? Or is it just known? It's just known. The only kind of for sort of semi-formal anchor that we've had as a family is we sit in a circle. But that is super like intuitive. It's whatever we want to do. Like sometimes we'll sit in a circle and talk about like the best spaghetti sauce recipe that we've had, you know, or like... Mm-hmm. You know, other times we'll talk about a dream. Sometimes like I recently, last summer, I went to my mom's and she held circle for me and they were like my spiritual board of directors. They heard my challenges at work and they all kind of weighed in um, and helped me out with, you know, their perspectives and their wisdom, which was super badass, by the way. That is incredible to have Mm -hmm. that. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like your personal board of directors. And so my girlfriends and I have actually joked about like, all living together and actually couples, friends of ours, we've all joked that we're going to end up all living together and that we have each kind of claimed what our roles would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were their roles? Like not, unofficial? Not really. I mean, honestly, it was so intuitive and so fluid back then that they just kind of worked it out. Mm-hmm. And And one of the key things is we didn't all live together in the same house. Mm-hmm. We lived in pods. Like, out of sheer kind of um, just practical, it was more practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, and we would move around a lot. We rented a lot. So I think I lived in 13 homes by the time I was eight. Like it was serious gypsy times. Um, but my mom and Liz would live together. And then my mom and Lucia would live together. My mom and like, we would kind of all rent different places. And yeah. but they were always near each other. So there wasn't a need for like, you know, eight adults to figure out like the system. Yeah. And did you go out on on vacations together? Yeah, we, well, I mean, we were super poor. We, we camped. So we would go, we would go on these long camping adventures where we would all just set up camp and like literally set up, like, I remember they would make this like beautiful area to go to the bathroom with like lavender and like, I don't know, just 
little book it, of it poetry. Sounds, it sounds and really like... <laughs> incredible, I have to say. And it actually really wasn't cool, though. At the time, it was super embarrassing. Did you have any shame around it? Could, like, kind of the traditional home and everyone's like mom and dad and white picket fence. And you're like, and this is my reality. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just because I'm a kid. I was a kid. I mean, my kids are totally embarrassed about me. So I don't know, maybe it's just because they were my moms and aunties, but they were pretty distinctly different than my friends and their mm-hmm. parents. And uh, how has being raised like that, being raised where you were struggling financially, but also where it was much more about the spiritual world and, and nature and not about the material world, how has that impacted your experience given that you've had success? Like, and how you raise your kids to be humble and driven and mm-hmm. not attached. I have a pretty low value around commerce, around money. It's not a huge value of mine. And I, I think that's a product of me growing up the way I did. I don't value having a lot of money mm. that much. And <laughs> you can... Because we you just, don't value buying things? I mean, I love beautiful things. I do love beautiful things. So I do value that, but I don't, I'm not hung up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a high tolerance for risk. Like I'm really okay taking big risks. I'm not worried about security as much because I was raised literally on food stamps at times. And we were so freaking happy, mm-hmm. um, even without money. And so I think I that did help me on the flip side of that. My financial advisor, she's she's not only helping me manage my money, but she's talking, she talks to me about my relationship with money. We've really talked about how I keep trying to be poor because I identify with being poor. It's Mm. my identity. And it's so funny that you said the word identity because I was listening to, I listened to Dax Shepard's podcast, which I love. And I just listened to the Ezra Klein interview and like a lot of it was about identity. And I'm like, this is Mm -hmm. such a fascinating word who you identify as. It's it's better to be raised without it than than have it, you know. I I think so. I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard. We're all so and what, how does that relate to your relationship with Chris, which we haven't even gotten to? But Chris is Sadie's husband, and I was there the night they met. It's because of you. Because of you, I met my husband. Oh. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have met him. We gave you a toast at our wedding. You did? You and his friend Tom were the two people that like brought us. Tommy G, who I just was emailing with last week. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's And so um, what's his relationship with all this? Because you're you're merging your whole worlds together. You're building a business together. You're raising a family together. And Mm -hmm. what do the aunties and siblings think of the traditional way that you're living your life in that, on the outside at least? Well, they are uber- accepting of all people. (laughs) Honestly, they are so truly accepting and supportive of all my choices, um, including Chris. Chris fits in so well with our family. He's just been such a love. Um, He really, really appreciates how I was raised. And that's why, I mean, we share so many values. And one of them is commerce. We just took this Hogan Institute. Have you heard of the Hogan assessment? Yeah, but I want to... You um, definitely have, right? Because that's like a... Yeah. Yeah, I love that stuff. We both rank low on commerce. That's why I keep saying the commerce value. We both rank low on commerce. And um, yeah, so we just... We have a lot of values that we share. And I think that's, you know, 
obviously helped us build a business together. Yeah. And I want to hear definitely more about the business. So let's walk through this. So you're in Eugene, Oregon. You're in, call it high school. How would we describe you in high school? And how does that compare with the Sadie today? I mean, we don't really change. We were just talking right before this podcast. We're both coming on our 30-year high school reunions. Yeah. And I have three of my friends who come to my Tuesday morning class at Bar 3 here in Portland um, on the regular. And it just every time they walk in the door, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Carrie, Erica, Emily, we do not change. We're the same. We have the same laugh. And the same the dynamic. Same. Yeah. We're just goofy. We're we're. I don't feel that different. Of I mean, course. of course, I my life has totally changed. I'm more confident. I'm more um, sure of who I am than I ever have been. And I think that's changed. But otherwise, I mean, me in high school, I was, as I what I was very social. I think I wanted to fit in. I wanted to belong. Um, I didn't really celebrate my different heritage. You know, if anything, I kind of hit it. I was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Um, I suffered from low self-esteem. I didn't get good, good grades from the beginning, partly because I went to an alternative schooling my primary years and, and really didn't learn the basics. I didn't have that foundation for the mm-hmm. real school system. Mm-hmm. And how um, are you raising your kids? How were they raised in their primary oh, years? Straight up Catholic school education, like Interesting. pretty straight More and More like Chris's. Yeah. Yeah, really. I And that was something that looking back, I get why I went to alternative schooling because it is enlightened learning. But the rest of the school system doesn't support that. And the real mm-hmm. world doesn't support that. And for me, um, it it ended up becoming something that was hard A for me because of my like, yeah, yeah, because of my self-esteem issues around it. Yeah, I understand that. And so, but you ended up going to school at UCLA. Did you go straight to UCLA? No, again, I got really, really bad grades. Because that doesn't add up. No, I didn't even take the SATs in high school. I went, I drove to LA to meet my dad, to get to know my dad, my birth father. And then I, um, I Had you ever met him before that? Yeah, I'd met him over the years sporadically, Mm -hmm. but I never lived with him. I didn't really know him. I never called him dad. Was he um, similar to your mom as far as their values? No, no totally really different. different, really different. Were they ever married? No. He met her in Taos, New Mexico um, when they were living. They were camping for a summer and he literally rode his horse into their camp, literally had a horse, rode it into their camp, impregnated my mother and rode his horse away. Like that's kind of how it worked. Um, and my mom chose to have me on her own. So I have her last name. And then he he entered my life and it was cool because my mom didn't have any, she didn't put any shame or judgment around the fact that he wasn't an active part of my life. And so Stephen and I were able to create our, forge our own relationship on our own terms. And it ended up being really beautiful. Um, he passed away years ago uh, from cancer, but he, yeah, so that's why I went to LA. Was it one of those things like, oh my gosh, of course you're my dad? He. No, I mean, thankfully, I didn't have any, like, ideal around what a father was, because I didn't even know the idea of father, because none of us really had fathers, we had just rad moms. So I didn't have an ideal. And so from that perspective, he didn't disappoint me too badly. But he was like an alcoholic. Um, 
very a rebel, uh, highly intelligent, really funny, um, almost too intelligent. I think that's why he suffered from depression and mm -hmm. um, some some issues earlier in his life. He ended up pulling it together towards the end, though, and, um, you know, really, really stepping up and being a, a great person in my life, for sure. Yeah, that's an amazing yeah. thing that you were able to build that relationship. Yeah, that's incredible. yeah. I, I, I love it. And so yeah. that's what drew you to L.A., and then you ended up ultimately doing what you needed to do to get into UCLA. Yeah, I went to City College, Community College, yeah. and then yeah. transferred into UCLA. Yeah. And um, it, when you were at UCLA, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, I, I was thinking maybe education. I majored in sociology. I really like people, maybe marketing. I was a social major, too. Oh, really? Does yeah. not surprise me at all. But it's just so funny because it's like, what do you do with a sociology major? Nobody so many things. Me. Clearly, I mean, <laughs> it's worked out for both of us. But I'm saying, like, at the time, you know, I don't know that there's a clear path of like, oh, first you do this. No, and then you do were that. you and career I driven? Tell... Did you, in college were you like? Did you think about your career? I mean, I was not that intentional around it. I always was interested in business, but I never thought to take business classes, which is such a disservice to women to just like mm -hmm. not associate themselves with those classes. Um, right. I never took any econ classes, any accounting classes. I know. Me yeah. either. Me yeah. either. Yeah. I just same. I just was like, Oh, that sounds fun. I had yeah. no career and they were ambition. Fun. Those sociology classes were amazing. Yeah. They were so fun. Yeah. I was in that, I was in that same arena. Interest. I was in that headspace. Yeah. Yeah. That's so why at I what liked, point did you get interested in fitness? That's why I like fitness is the John Wooden Center on the UCLA campus. It was very, it was very much a community. It was social, you know, and teaching the group classes. There's just an infectious energy back then mm -hmm. it was step, um, step aerobics step. was super huge. And I love yeah. teaching step. I love taking step five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love um, it. And uh, so, okay. And then, but you went on to get a master's degree, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you were trying to do education or I was thinking at that point, um, well, I got a, a full ride graduate assistantship to the College of William and Mary. I fell into the right program at UCLA. The I ended up running the fitness instructor training program, which is a niche thing for college rec programs. Ah. And William and Mary wanted to further develop their program. And I went to this, like, it's called NURSA. It's a conference for kids and um, rec programs at college universities and applied for a scholarship, got it ended up running the fitness program at William and Mary. So that's, that's kind of how, and I got well, my When, when you and I met there. in our very early twenties, you were at 24 hour fitness, which was like the place, right? And yeah. so how big was it when you joined? Like walk us through how that happened and where they were to where they were when you left. I w it was, so I was 25 years old and the first job I got, I think we had around 24, 20 to 25 gems and my first job was running all of the group exercise programming for those gyms. And you learned a ton. Did they kind of um, just give you all sorts of responsibility, even though you were young, just because you could take it? Yeah. that, And I really credit the founder and, well, founder and former CEO. He has since sold 24 Fitness and moved on. His name's Mark Mastrov. I really credit him. He saw something in me, took me under his wing and believed in me. And he mm -hmm. would put me on all kinds of projects. I ended up 
working directly for him and really cut my teeth learning everything from sales, marketing, operations, branding. Mm-hmm. And um, how did he take it when you told him, when you and Chris decided, I'm assuming you went straight from 24-Hour Fitness to start Bar 3? Was he obviously sad to lose one of his rock stars, but he was, just was it a selling, non-compete it all situation? Worked out because he was selling 24-Hour Fitness at the same time. Oh, that's great. And we were all three quite close by then. Chris was also working for him. It was not a that. surprise to him. Well, the first time I told him I quit was when I had my first kid, Audrey, mm. that surprised him. I remember he paused when I, I called him. He Because I was such a worker bee, I was such a high performer. I, I mean, I barely seemed pregnant. I just kept working and working, working, and then I had my baby. And as it goes, I was like, oh, I can't leave. I have to stay with this little, you know, oh, amazing thing. Like, I don't want to go back to work. So I called him and I quit. And he paused for a second. And then in typical Mark fashion, within like, 10 minutes, I was working for him again, because he um, crafted an incredible career for me where I could work from home, do special projects and, you know, get a, a lot of the benefits that I really needed. Um, so um, he kept what me was Chris on, doing on at that time. Like, how'd you have the courage to just quit your job for those like women who have this experience where they don't, they don't assume that they're going to quit. And then suddenly mm-hmm. they can't leave the baby. Well, we were, we had sold our house. We started renting again. We were just, we downsized, you know? Um, yeah. And then we, Chris was working for Mark and he was developing a new fitness concept that was going to be an offshoot of 24 hour fitness, which is a small, we called it, it was going to eventually be called the loop, which was this little circuit kind of idea, 30 minutes Mm. in and out. And it was going Mm. to be franchised. And Chris and I, worked on it together. We, um, and, and Chris tested it on like 15 locations. So that's what he was doing when I was exiting. Yeah. And so tell us about starting bar three, how you had the courage and how you came up with the name and funded it and the startup part of it, the good old days, right? Yeah. I think the courage part was we let go. Uh, we set aside our, we were chasing like money at that, at this point, we were in the Bay area. We had bought a house, which is so expensive. Um, and of course it was a crappy house that we had to renovate. And so that was expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and you already had Audrey and also you Drew, had, already had two kids. Yeah, two kids. We were working so hard to pay our mortgage and just kind of mm-hmm. get by, keep up with our now. neighbors. It was hard to see our friends. We were in the Oakland Hills by then. Some of our friends were in the Bay in San Francisco. We, we felt really lonely and we were just working so hard um, and we felt empty. We didn't feel connected to the brands that we were working for. Um, and fitness also was problematic for me. I felt like a lot of shame around my body and not looking the part, not enough. Um, injury was like hard for me. I had really low back, bad, low back pain after both children. And, um, I had shame around that. I didn't know how to modify in group environments. And I felt kind of like an imposter in the fitness Mm. space. Um, and I had this aha as I started to modify moves at home, specifically when I was pregnant with my kids that, and I felt so good in my body when I modified and, I started to move in ways that were more intuitive and more accepting of what my body needed in that very moment versus working out, which was basically a fight with my body to the end game, to the end zone, or to get to that ideal, 
you know, to win the race, to be faster, to be skinnier, to be more ripped, to look good in a bikini, to look the part. That's why I exercise for years. Um, and of course, yeah, to have strong bones and, you know, I, I wanted all the healthy things too, but that was also a result. That was also a reason to exercise versus just exercising the bee. Um, and Chris and I had long philosophical philosophical conversations about this. I mean, we go on hikes and just talk and talk and talk about why doesn't the fitness industry acknowledge bodies as they are? And wouldn't we all be more likely to work out every day all the time if it felt good versus depleting or shameful? And wouldn't it be nice if we could do that in a group environment? Because that's what, what was exciting to me. There's such energy community aspect, community with a good downbeat. Right. Yeah. Um, and so all of those things came together us feeling lonely, us not being excited in our careers and us seeing a real problem in the fitness industry that we wanted to fix. And Mm -hmm. so we sold our house in the Bay area, moved to Portland and got it going with bar three. And so how did you fund it? And how'd you come up with the name? Well, we funded it with our house paint. We we sold our house on Craigslist and we were our own realtor. So we got as much money as we could. We just milked that money. Um, we put every single penny of that into our first studio in the Pearl District here in Portland, Oregon. Um, and then Mark funded, he, he gave us a small amount of money. So he's our only investor to date. And I think it was like around 200,000 was what yeah. he gave us. Um, to be a a minority equity partner. And then beyond that, we've really had no outside funding besides some small business loans here and there. And then we franchise. So our investors are um, 100% women so far who have invested their own money into this concept um, because they believe in it. And that's incredible. Yeah. And at what point did you realize like this thing's got legs? Like was there just a kind of a cult following early on? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was so sure even before we opened our first studio, I just, I listened to my gut instinct in combination with my experience being in the industry Mm -hmm. for so many years since UCLA, I knew it was going to have legs. We built a business plan around it being a multi-unit organization. We knew we were going to franchise. We, we went in with the business part. Yes. But what about like, will people like these exercises? Will people like this, the the brand, the colors, the just right. the whole experience of going in for that workout, especially today. I was less worried about the design because I, I knew we had an edge there. And and I just, it was just such a beautiful, modern, bright, cool space that we designed. And, and I was less worried about the sequencing and the choreography because that came from so many years of wisdom of how to balance the body. I knew how to really work a playlist. I knew the technical side the part that was vulnerable and the most exciting that people resonated with was our philosophy and our approach around things like to this day are still our mantras, like make it your own. I'm going to guide this experience as your teacher, but I invite you to take whatever shape feels right in your body. Um, and, you know, to let go of the ideal, to let go of the after picture and, and, and really exercise to build your presence muscle. That whole I philosophy, this. it was more risky um, because that isn't how fitness sells to this day. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing at the very beginning that I was the most thrilled was, you know, appreciated, celebrated and continues to grow because of it. Yeah. 
I'm not surprised by that at all. And so I know that you said you're not attached or the personality assessment came back and or the the um the result was, yeah. you know, I'm not attached to money. Do you like the attention of kind of the fame of the business? Do you still have like a little bit of imposter syndrome around it or no? Candidly, in the early days, it I really did like it. Um because I think for me, it's this growing a business for me has been the most amazing way to grow personally at, you know, and learn about myself and what serves me and what doesn't serve me. And mm -hmm. I've really leaned into looking inside, understanding myself and, and showing up more authentic than I, than I ever have. And there were times in the business when it was the Sadie Lincoln show where, where I got a lot of attention and it's nice to be a public figure and to be on a big platform to be able to, be able to share stories. And there's a, a negative side to it for a while there. I was tied to like my worth and belonging being that people liked me and mm. that people saw me and that bar three was, you know, given the thumbs up and that isn't healthy, you know? Um, what's healthy is knowing that I belong and that I'm worthy without all that. Mm. And then figuring out, okay, now what are my unique strengths and how can I serve this beautiful organization bar three mm -hmm. outside of myself and not be so identified with it? Um, well, you can't tell. I mean, I follow you on social media. I, it does not feel like the Sadie Lincoln show at all. It feels truly like you're giving your energy to a community You've done a great job. It feels very heart-led. It absolutely is. And I will tell you, honestly, that's been a lot of work for me is just to remember that because our conditioned world every day tells me something else. It's like, mm. you know, you look on Instagram and you see all these like fitness celebrities with filters and just the admiration and the over like, I don't know, it's, it's, too, it's too so produced. inflated. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a practice to remember that isn't my power. That is not my worth. Like, mm -hmm. you know, my worth is just being honest, authentic, living by my values, showing up the best I can every day. And some days I don't show up that well, that, yeah. that great. Well, I'm sure Chris also keeps you in check and your, your kids and totally. your friends. My and... whole community does. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that's no, really, sure. really, really important. Um, I think so too. Don't you think though, that a lot of founders go through this, like, I think people who, when you start a business, it's just like parenting. When you have a baby, you identify with your baby. And mm -hmm. then over time, you have to really remember this child is separate from me, Yeah, you know, and not try to protect yourself on them anymore and really let them be their own thing, you know, yeah. outside well, of you. Some people aren't slowing down long enough to even have these conversations with themselves yeah. or to even recognize that they might not be doing that and that they might be... Um, not in the right headspace around all of this. So in the introduction, I talked about mindful leadership. What does that mean? For me, mindful leadership means paying attention on purpose to my values and the company's values and making decisions based on those mm -hmm. and not getting distracted by the external world and forces and conditioning that pull us mm -hmm. out of our truth. Um, you know, everything from one of the, how we define a core value at bar three is 
we believe in it so much. It's already who we are. It's not something we're striving to be. It's who we are authentically. Right. right. And because of that, we are willing to take a financial hit to uphold that value. Yes. So mindful leadership for me is remembering like one of our core values is committed to real. And arguably if we Photoshopped and we sold like results, we would have more money. We would, we would get more people in the door because yeah. believe it or not, that's still what sells. Of course. And, but we are willing are to you kidding? take that hit. Of course. Of course. Everyone's a consumer and it's a multi-billion dollar industry for a reason. $30 billion you know, like, industry, mostly yeah. sold on the after picture, which is an imagined, imagined ideal in the future that nobody can attain. If you think yes. of the after picture, it's you, it's of someone else. <laughs> and so we can't ever be them, right? When you see the before mm -hmm. and after picture, it's someone else. We can never be that person. That's impossible. Yeah. And that person isn't even that person anymore. It's not yeah. thereafter, you know? Um, we have to remind our daughters of all of this. Every single day we have to crowd it out because it's even more confusing for our daughters and all of us now because that after picture is the idea of the after picture. It's mm -hmm. not literally the after picture is on social media now. And it's, it's the, everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's everybody. It's the girl next door who's quote unquote real, but not really because she's maybe taken 120 pictures to get that right angle with oh, the I right filter. When I see that. And then, you know, so she looks just, just right, then posts it. And then the comment next to it is something about, you know, Hey, don't compare yourself to me. Everybody's their own best body and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So it's a really confusing message now um, that I don't even think we all know how, you know, how impactful that's going to be for us. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And how do you, how do you measure success and do you feel successful right now in this moment? That's a really good question. I, I do back to the values. I measure success on leading with purpose and my values and leading honestly, humbly, and confidently. And with that measure right now, I mean, this changes all the time right now. I feel really, really successful. Um, I'm going through a really good phase right now in the business and in, in my own life of just being really honest um, mm -hmm. and serving my organization, our organization in a way that feels just good and true. Yeah. Because you've got so many different countries and so many different studios, what's the vetting process to make sure that somebody's aligned? How do you vet a, a, a franchisee? Franchisee. Well, for one, our vision as a company is to redefine what success in fitness means. So your question is totally on point with what we're doing in the fitness industry. And so for us, redefining what success in fitness means is taking away the external measures of success of fitness and instead working out to be alive and honest in our bodies just as they are, um, which is a real reframing of why do fitness. Mm -hmm. And that takes a certain kind of leader to A, understand and have total buy-in and that philosophical reframing and have the chops to be able to attract people to this movement mm -hmm. and show up that way every day. Because yeah. how we show up in our own lives and in our own bodies and the choices we make is how we're leading this organization. 
And so finding women, men, or however you identify that who, who truly are aligned with our core values, who see themselves in our, in our vision and have the business chops to help us make it happen are big like criteria for, yes, you're a good Mm -hmm. fit. And of course, financial, you know, if they have the source resources they need, um, and, um, they're in a market that will support a a strong studio. Yeah. And what's your big picture plan with the business? Like you just keep growing and growing. Yeah, we're growing. Our, our measures are different than, maybe a lot of other businesses, the metrics are different in that we, we, every time we teach a bar three class, we're 60 minutes closer to our vision or redefine what success and fitness means. Because while you're taking a bar three class, you're not only building muscle, you're not only building sweat, you're building body wisdom and your, and your ability to stand up for what you really need in that moment. And modifying postures as a metaphor for standing up for yourself and being confident in your Mm -hmm. body, um, taking up space, uh, being seen and supported by people in the room with you. There's so many other things we practice at bar three beyond exercise. And so how we, what we, the only reason Chris and I are growing this company at this point is that we want to change the dominant messages out in our conditioned world that our children are born into that tell us that we need to change our bodies to belong, to be sexy, to, to be worthy, to be successful. We want to change that message so that we are born into a world where our bodies matter just as they are, and that we're not trying to morph ourselves into something else, um, which is a complete manipulation to buy things. That's, mm-hmm. that's why that, this is like that thing perfect is out timing there. for me to hear this because I'm always chasing whatever it is, what you're talking about, the end. The end result. zone. The end zone. We, and yeah. um, I want to feel strong. I want to feel like an athlete. I want to feel agile. I want to feel good. I want to have the mind-body connection that people always talk about that's really hard for me to feel. Yeah. Um, which takes a little bit of slowing down. Yeah. And paying attention to your body. Like, Well, the fact that you just so said, helpful. I want to feel... I want to feel that is a very practical, specific thing we can all do when we work out. So Mm -hmm. the first step is like, how do I feel right now? Like just that quick little, like, like look inside, like, Ooh, I'm really strung out today. I have a lot of anxiety or I want to blow off steam or Mm -hmm. I feel really depleted. If, if you go into workout saying, I feel really depleted, what do you really need? Right. Mm -hmm. Do you need to go balls to the walls? Like, I need sh- sh- final shavasana. <laughs> right. You need maybe like literally 30 minutes of child's pose, right? And mm-hmm. that is exactly success for you then in that moment. We've been conditioned to think success has to be heart rate up at this, you know, beats per minute, sweat. Um, I have to fatigue the muscles. I have to do all these things to succeed. But in reality, success in fitness is when you are totally aware of what your body needs and then you meet the exercise meets you there. It doesn't mean staying in your comfort zone. It always means going into brave space because brave space is where you change and where you grow. Um, Mm -hmm. And for a lot of high performers like you and me, Shauna, we're we're really similar. Brave space for us is often slowing down. It's not going hard. It's not winning the race. It's being present and calm and still. And that's when we'll will discover a new level of fitness. And yeah. um, 
Yeah. Anyways, I'm obviously this. pretty I passionate about that. Well, I can tell your whole face is lighting up yeah. talking about it and it, it's contagious because it's so true. Okay. So I, this is like, someone just came into my podcast, like, how long is your podcast? I'm like, I can't stop talking when it's someone interesting. <laughs> we could talk for like three hours. <laughs> yeah. I want to be mindful of your time, but I, I do want to know, and I'm sure you're asked this all the time because mm-hmm. you've got the kids and you've got the business, Yeah, how you plan for a, a good week. Oh, that's like what you do or do you have any rituals around your mornings? The number one thing that I practice is first recognizing imbalances before I can plan to become more balanced in my week. It's like just recognizing the imbalances without shame or judgment. Like what's pulling me Mm -hmm. out of balance right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And really not enough time with the kids or. Yeah, it's usually it's usually that because I'm drawn to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times for me, it's, it's like undivided attention with people I love mm-hmm. and then having a practice around that. And all last year, my goal was active listening with my husband <laughs> and I put a measurement around it. So on Sundays I would just ask, did you feel heard this week? You know, did you feel more heard? And that was kind of my way of checking in with him. And it always, it was actually kind of funny, you know, to <laughs> ask him that. Um, but you know, and humor always helps, but we, I think having that family meeting for us every Sunday night, we sit around the table, what's going on for you this week? Where, where did you feel imbalanced? Where did you, where did you struggle and how can we work towards a more balanced state? Mm -hmm. You know, and what are the words used around balance? Is it like a pie of like, okay, my, my social life, my friends, my fitness, my spiritual practice, my work, like what things are in there? For me, yeah, I would say it's like the wheel, right? It's social, relationship, professional, for me, time in nature, family, um, time, time alone. Nature is one of my top core values. When, my, when I'm my most authentic self, I need nature. And that's incredible. One thing I did um, about a year ago, I set a goal to do one nature adventure a quarter with my family, which is a twofer because I also wanted time with my family. So planning out based on my values is another way I stay balanced is just being really intentional, you know, really, really. And what about the pressure around like family dinner? Oh, I don't, I give myself a ton of breaks on those kinds of things. Yeah, because they're probably doing a ton of activities. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to Burgerville on the way home from soccer at nine o'clock. We are, you know. You're doing what everyone else is doing. We are getting like burritos and extra chips and guac. We're sitting around the kitchen island, like without silverware. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. 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 That totally makes sense. I'm guessing if you had a Saturday to yourself without Chris, without the kids, you would be partially lazy, partially in nature, partially listening to music. Like what would you be doing? Where do would I, you find do you? Do I get my dogs? Um, you can have whoever you want except for your family. Okay. And... <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, I want my dogs. I would want probably well, my perfect Saturday would be like some kind of cool teacher, like my astrologer or like a coach or um a good like therapist like learning therapist slash friend those are the best like my yeah. my friend sarah's who's an acupuncturist healer like she's so awesome to go on like long walks with because we talk about deep things so that yes that's always um you know amazing 
Feeling connected to another human for sure. And like doing, like looking inside or figuring out like kind of magical ways to be better. Like I do love that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, Definitely nature. Um, Something with food, like cooking, creating um, music for sure. Good dance party. Like I don't even care if it's by myself. I need a good dance party always. Um, Yes. Some little bit of red wine maybe would be nice in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cuddles with the dogs. Cute. You got your dogs. I would take my dog too. I always ask this at the end of every um, podcast is ultimately what fuels you. That's the name of the podcast. Um, What fuels me is a two parts. A, I feel like a broken record, but being authentic to my core values, showing up that way. And then surrounding me myself with people who expand me and make me reach out and be even a better version of myself um, because they're, they're doing the same thing. They're whole and um, courageous and loving people who, who see me and support me as much as I see and support them. Well, you're doing that for so many people. I mean, for real. And thank you. And thank you for sending this message for women. I feel like my daughters could really benefit. Yeah. Um, I'm going to encourage them to follow a you. Lot of our ki- a lot of kids do Bar 3. We have this whole homeschooling community that do our Bar 3 online program. And wow. it's so cool. I know. It's a surprise thing. In what, do fact, we, what do we need to do that? A yoga mat kids to and your computer home. or your phone. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You don't need one of the balls? You don't. We we have that in some of our workouts, but we have a lot of workouts that are prop-free and we always modify without props in case you don't have them. It's super low barrier to entry, really easy. We have a 15-day free trial if you want to try it. It'd be great right now, especially in Seattle, because it's oh, hard to get out into the gym. The kids, yeah, the adults, are, a lot of them are at home. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love, love, love you. I love seeing you, your face. I love Thank you, you so much yes. for um, being the person who allowed me to meet my soulmate and now business partner, Chris Lincoln. You're like at the oh. very beginning of our origin story of our amazing marriage and our amazing career. That makes me so happy. I'm glad you guys are still happy. That makes me smile. We are. Yeah. Yes. So many years later. And 20. clearly you're doing the work. Yeah, we are. You're doing the work. You're like, was I a good listener this week? How was my active listening? That makes me Do you know it's, do you feel heard? Oh yeah. Do you feel heard? (laughs) Even better. Thanks for having me on your fabulous show. I'm honored. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You. 